Welcome back to another episode of Two Woods Four Courses, a Harlequins podcast. My name's Michael, and as always, I'm sat here with my cousin Will on a little bit of a disappointing Sunday afternoon. How are you, mate? We had a bit of a week off. Feels like we've been a while. Um, no game last week, obviously, due to the, the news we're going to speak about in a minute. But how was your week? How's the uh, time off been? Yeah, it's been good. Um, it does feel like it's been a while, hasn't it? It's felt like we're we're long overdue. This yeah. we want to get back out there and make more podcasts because it's good fun. But it's um, it's an unfortunate situation that the state of the league is in that that brings us here. But I would have liked to have returned with a more positive podcast after a win at Leicester. But we just didn't get going today, and there's not really too much to shout about. But aside from all of that, I'm I'm doing all right. I didn't play rugby yesterday. I got a bang to the knee on Wednesday. Um, really annoying actually because it was right at the start of the session playing touch and we had kind of had like too many players on the pitch or not a wide enough pitch so you couldn't really score so I went for a crash ball well, obviously it doesn't really count for much in touch <laughs> but because it was touch the defender was upright so I just kind of clashed knees with him and it caught me right on the inside of the knee and I, I carried on the rest of the session tried to run it off as soon as I got on the train and sat down it just seized up and blew up so yeah that one kept me out this week um, annoying because if we were playing contact, he would have bent down to make the tackle, and I wouldn't have got the knee on knee. So funny how the... even a harmless game of touch can do you dirty sometimes. How did the boys go? Get the win? No, unfortunately uh... not. It sounds like it was a proper sort of gritty, resilient performance from the lads, but they lost twenty-one fifteen. Um, I feel like it was in the dying moments they might have got a, a try to win it as well because we were fifteen fourteen up. So no positive result for the Quins at all this weekend, but we'll get another shot next week. Bit of a stinker. First clean sheet of the season for me though yesterday. 4 0 win. Yeah. Goal not assist. like you. 4-0 win. Goal assist. Come on. <laughs> a few beers was it after? Um, yeah, a few beers Saturday and then went to watch Brighton Brentford on Friday night with my dad. So a bit of a poor result for my teams this weekend. Boa, two defeats in the league. But we've got another crack Tuesday nice. night going down to Brighton to watch them against Forest and then sail away on the Sunday. And I'm looking with a little bit of persuasion for the old man at trying to get up there that weekend as well. But I'd quite like to do that one, sail away, Manchester bit. night out, except it's a Sunday night, isn't it? So yeah. you have to do the night out on the Saturday, bit bit of a backwards way of doing it. We've got the same thing when we do Paris away in January. That's some news we need to talk about. Yeah, so of Paris, course, it's been two weeks. It feels like news now. We haven't spoken about it, but we've obviously got Paris away. The date's announced. I think it's the 15th of January, isn't it? Off the top of my head, it feels 14th, like a while ago we booked 15th it. 15th of January, 14th Which and 15th. is a Sunday, which is frustrating, but... We're getting an early Eurostar out on Saturday morning. We'll have a full day in Paris. Yeah. We'll then have a night out in Paris. We get majority of the day on Sunday. And then I think we're the last kick off the weekend. So yeah. we'll be rushing for the last Eurostar back to London on Sunday night. But I'm excited for that. Another European yeah. away day with the boys. And Big time. Probably, I mean, it's actually probably one of the best ones we can do or easiest ones we can do because mm. you can fly there, you can drive there, you can get the train there. It's direct from London. I mean, the only easier one would be if we had an English team, but I'm glad we don't. That's no fun, is it? Yeah, I've um I've uh, signed a few boys up already. So I was in the where was I? I was in the Sun in Clapham Old Town uh, last weekend for a mate's leaving do, and I was I think I booked it that morning because it came out on the Friday. I remember texting you. I was teaching my uh, teaching my uh, my A level lesson on Friday afternoon at school. I saw the thing cover. I was like, right, I've got to get one on the phone. We quick. panicked, didn't we? It was like I when would... festival tickets go on sale know, and everybody rushes to buy them. It's like, I mean, it's, rugby's not a big sport. And, and <laughs> in terms of stature, it's not an international game. I feel like we were all panicking and rushing to buy train tickets before they sell out like it was some kind of festival. But we were fine in the end, weren't we? But yeah, Saturday morning, Eurostar. 
late one return on the Sunday. I've actually got a couple of mates who are going to drive on the Friday. I think they're going to take the Friday off the work. Um, they're going to drive and play golf at La National at the um, oh, Paris great. Central course, the Ryder Cup course. They're going to play oh, golf on the great. Saturday, then come in, then have a little bit on the Saturday, and then drive back on the Sunday. So they're doing it right as well. Trying to get a group to together, think, though. Starting to think I should have taken Friday off. No, I quite can't because I'm finishing school. I know school, you can't so you're a, a teacher, but... Yeah. But no, we're looking forward to that, especially because, you know, we can't afford international flights to to Durban, sadly. So, yeah, that's the, that's the one to tick off Paris. So if you those of you that haven't got your your long weekend in Paris, you know, lined up yet, make sure you do it. I, I cannot recommend it enough. Will's a bit of a veteran of the European away day game, but I'm uh, in my infancy. But yeah, Montpellier last year, you did Castro as well, but I'm buzzing for Paris. But yeah, looking forward to that one. On, Into- on that note as well, I think the next talking point is is going to be a an important one for the state yeah. of English rugby and, the, and the, the state of Worcester Warriors and Wasps and, and Premiership rugby and English club rugby as a whole. But that talking point there with Racing is actually, I think they've got an incredible business model in how they constructed their stadium. And I'm really excited to go to their stadium. It's that indoor venue, which is very modern, very entertainment focused big screen behind the posts and it lends itself really well to to things other than rugby and actually i think that's a really good business model and you look at the state of the clubs in england at the moment and the way that we're struggling to make money obviously covid has knocked everybody and there's also been some pretty poor owners and and business decisions made but it feels like as a as a sport on the pitch it's probably as good as it's ever been i mean bar our performance this weekend look at the newcastle Northampton result, look at the Bath-Saracens result. There's been thrilling games all over the place, regardless of ability of the sides. And look at the league table, it's all very tight. I know it's early days, but the on-pitch product's great. But we've got to start looking at our clubs as businesses and not just rugby clubs. Like, we've got one home game every two weeks on average, obviously with the away days. That stadium is being so underutilised. Like, think about all the opportunities that that stadium could could hold for business. And I know we've hosted England hockey games in the past, and I think we've done a few concerts as well. But it's just such a fantastic venue. The North Stand has just been redone. That should be used as hospitality for um, the Autumn International Series. It should be used as hospitality for the Six Nations. We've got the Football World Cup coming up. There's going to be some evening kickoffs. Open up that little North Stand space where there's screens, bars, lovely sort of seating and undercover Get that open. Hey, somebody mentioned that to me today. The game at home in the European Cup against the Sharks is the same day as the World Cup final. Oh, what? 18th of December? Yeah. Same day is as the World Cup final. Well, the other thing is Quinns v Gloucester, I think, is the 25th of November, which is the same day as England v USA on the Friday night. And I'm pretty sure there's overlap. So get that on in the bars, get people in. Without talking about Quinns too much and focusing on Quinns, it's obviously a terrible situation at Worcester. And I think in the last two weeks since we've last spoken on here, Wasps have now gone into a very similar position using Worcester as a case study. I don't know how much longer Wasps are going to have. And that one really kind of shook the rugby world, didn't it? Former European champions, former English premiership champions, still got a squad littered with internationals. A word on them? It's just sad, isn't it? And obviously, you know... (sighs) I feel sort of difficult talking about it because as a as a rugby fan, you know, I haven't known um the longevity and history of, you know, the professional moving into the professional game and you know, I'm I'm not really well read on the support that RFU give clubs and, and all those, you know, financial netting and all that sort of stuff that goes on. But to see European champions and what were for a long time the best team 
in the country. Think of the the Delalio glory days. You know, they were the best team in the country by a mile. But yeah. you know, they've been shipped around from Wickham to here to there, back to Coventry. There's some you horrendous know. decisions there, wasn't yeah, there? That's really I mean, really cost them in a way. The one thing um, that actually made me a bit sad was I watched the game last weekend. Um, what turned out then to be Wasps' last game. Um, against our opponents from the, the week before Northampton and you know game in the reds red card with 10 minutes to play Northampton, Northampton score twice you know win it with a try in the corner at the end um and looking around and even then the Rico's barely a third full and I know it's different yeah. you know there's, there's there's not a huge fan base up in Coventry and it is a big ground for you know in terms of premiership rugby size but it just it just it was just sad to look at and you know we've obviously seen now the news of you know, Worcester players and the exodus that's happening in within their squads and Ollie Lawrence and the like going to Bath, um, Duan van der Merwe back to Edinburgh, um, Sutherland back to Ulster, I think it was as well. But yeah, it's it's pretty sad, isn't it? Um and obviously yeah, we, had, it's... we had a little bit of little bit of news that came out almost this morning I saw where, you know, there's there's talk of launch pre signing for us. We obviously won't dwell on that too much. We don't want to, you know, throw smoke on a fire that maybe might not be there, but I mean that'd be pretty exciting, but it's almost just a, it's almost just a shame to see that happen. Yeah, completely. And um, those clubs are a part of our history as much of their own, right? I think about the turning point for us when we won the league in 2021 was that away win at Wasps. Do you remember? And it was yeah. almost Lewis Lyon's breakthrough moment, scoring yeah. two in, two sort of really impressive tries. One was that intercept, and that's kind of when we knew we'd won. I still remember that feeling really well, and to think that those sides might not be up against us anymore and a part of the history anymore is a real shame and from a financial point of view we probably make what half a million a game at the stoop I, I think it's almost a bit more than that but if you think of Leicester yeah. someone said to me that Leicester aren't going to play they won't have a home game almost for eight weeks because they had yeah. Wasps and Worcester in consecutive weeks then there'll be an away game then there'll be a bit of international break and stuff like that and then, they're, they're, yeah. then, they've, got, then they've got a bye yeah but that's like, but that's what I mean like uh, we, we make half a million Per match day, I think if, say, for example, we'll call it 15,000 at the stoop, charge £30 a ticket, that's 450,000. You then assume everybody buys one pint, which I think for an average is probably quite low. But if everyone yeah. buys one pint, that pushes us over half a million a match day. We then lose two match days for Wasps and Worcester. We're losing yeah. a million pound a year there. Yeah. And I think I might be interpreting this wrong, but I looked at the government website for Quinn's. Um, and we turned, I think it was about five hundred thousand profit in twenty twenty one. That's that's gonna, yeah. that's like I know it's good for us to turn profit. There's still clubs that are in the negative in the black, but if we end up losing a million a year, it's gonna damage the the chances of all the clubs surviving and, and thriving as a business. But I think we're very blessed with the side we've oh, got. We're entertaining rugby. We've got two games where we sell out to Pickham across the road. We're very good at selling out our home games anyway. We've got some brilliant offerings with the spaces that we've created around the, the stadium. And yeah, I just wonder how else we can behave better as a business. But nice. I think we're in safe hands with Laurie, aren't we? Oh, we are incredibly, incredibly lucky. No, and not just, you know, the, the area that we're from, Twickenham, is a, is a, a rugby stronghold. Wherever, mm. you, wherever you are in the world, you know, everyone knows about Twickenham. Um, so there'll always be a fan base. But yeah, incredibly lucky. But yeah, it, it's horrible. But before we... um. Before we move on to Leicester, into well, <laughs> we'll we'll go from some disappointing news now 
to some more disappointing news further, but we need to, brief, need to <laughs> yeah. briefly mention It's going to uh... be a really negative episode, isn't it? <laughs> well, Sorry for anyone that's actually tuned in this week, but yeah. we've got plenty of misery to, to stow upon you, but hopefully you can relate and share um, some of the pain with us. Trying to brine it up with some good news. The Red Roses have started their World Cup campaign in absolutely flying colours. Yeah. 84 points to 19, thumping of Fiji, and then they beat France uh, yesterday morning in a really, proper, really... Proper, proper rugby match. Proper Le Crunch, wasn't it? 13-7, yeah. low-scoring nail-biter. Yeah. yeah. And the... That was their World Cup final, wasn't it, France? Yeah, but... I mean, who's going to stop Who's going to stop the Red Roses? You know, they are so, so good. And we're lucky to have some of our um, our international superstars in there as well. Vicky Cornwall and Amy Cocaine starting in the front row. Obviously, Shauna Brown missed out on the first test um, of the tournament due to COVID. Um, and then Ellie Kildan at fullback and Lucy Packer coming off the bench at scrum half. But yeah, they're absolutely flying, which is great. And hopefully they that will continue. Imagine if they go through a World Cup unbeaten, take all the way to the final. They've got South Africa on Sunday morning next week as well, which will be another big test. But looking forward to that. Hopefully they go well and looking forward to see how that progresses. Shall we focus on some Harlequins-based news? And before we go into the Leicester review, let's talk a little bit about the injury crisis. Maybe is a strong word, but injury worries that we've got at the minute. Um, I saw Lewis Liner had surgery. Well, it looked like surgery to me on his Instagram the other day. And I saw him um, after the... Northampton game and had a bit of a chat with him and he was yeah good couple of weeks didn't even play as well did he hadn't played yet no so he's he, he hasn't featured this season looked like he had a pretty serious operation obviously don't know what the ins and outs of it so um that's bad news hopefully it's not too long term um and then just the the, the back row seems a bit depleted at the minute um yeah. but we're we're a little bit thin on the ground which is why that launch news probably came at quite a nice time even if if it, if it goes on to happen obviously don't want to don't want to jinx it. We'd love to have him, but we are a little bit thin on the ground moving into this weekend. However, to bolster not just morale, weight of uh, weight of numbers, but also just international experience and just world class pedigree, the agent of chaos returned to the fold this weekend. How, ni- how nice to see him back in the mix. Yeah, world class. I mean, Lennox got two man of the matches in the time he had in the twelve shirt, but yeah. he, he just brings us a different level. I think. I had a really good chat pre-match and I was actually saying that they're probably going to man-mark him pretty well today and they certainly did that. They doubled up on him and he didn't get too much front football and go forward, but he just makes Marcus Smith a better player. And I think if you can make Marcus Smith a better player, he's almost unstoppable. So to have Andre back is not only great because he's a world-class 12 that is unbelievably physical and present in that midfield, but the players around him just get better as well. He gives them front football, he gives them extra gaps to play with, gives them more space. And when you give Northmore, Marchant, Green, Murley, Smith, that extra space, they'll take it and they'll cause threats and, and create havoc. So it's, it's good to have him back and come at a good time as well. Leicester's a physical game. Sale's going to be a physical game. There's no easy games in the Premiership and we need all the bodies we can get. Yeah, 100%. So good to see him back. There was a really cool article, actually, that came out, I think, in the Telegraph um, that I saw this morning about him breaking his hand and playing the whole rest of the game. And he was, um, there was bits and bobs that came out of this article. Turns out that Lennox was house-sitting for him while he was away, which is pretty cool. Oh, really? Um, yeah, <laughs> Lennox was house-sitting for him, which is quite cool. And he was uh, roommates with Jasper Visa while he was on South Africa duty. So uh, quite a nice little storyline there. But yeah. looking at Tigers... Um, there was two or three before, before we move on to the game. There were two or three really cool matchups that I looked at a couple of days ago that got me quite excited. Obviously, the, the main one in El Capitano's 250th, Joe Marler, him at loose head, Dan Cole on the tight heads, 
the uh, the two fat detectives, I think that they were called when they were out in Japan having having fun with the media. That was going to be a good one. Um, and then the other one, Danny Kerr and Ben Young's England pedigree at nine. There were some pretty cool matchups out there. Any that caught your eye? Well, I really enjoyed how Marla played up to that head-to-head and absolutely yeah. creamed Dan Cole early <laughs> yeah, doors and could not wipe the smile off of his face when he got up afterwards. So I enjoyed watching that one. Danny Kerr, Ben Young's, I mean... I'm not going to go into too much detail on the head-to-heads because I think Leicester were comfortably better than us today and yeah. we barely really had a sniff and there wasn't enough sustained pressure to to convert it into points and we were really, really sort of scratching around trying to get any kind of phase to play together. But Danny Kerr is just the man, isn't he? Yeah. He's just the man. There was a moment towards the end of the game where I think Jaltima came on and then he very quickly went off again. Um, and I don't know if that was an injury or whether I even got that wrong and maybe it wasn't Jaltima, but... I just thought with care going off when we're chasing a game, I kind of lost hope. But to see him back on the pitch again, I thought, well, no, we do have a chance again because he just attacked so well. There was a few quick taps he did towards the end of the game. Obviously got on the score sheet. Um, he, yeah, he's the man for me. I'd, I'd pick him over Ben Young's every single day of the week. Um, Green v. Stewart was a good one for different yeah. reasons. They're very different, they're very different types of fullback. Stewart was... Reasonably solid today. He did actually drop a ball for the first time never I think, seen in that, his life. Never seen that happen. The bomb disposal. I don't know if we'll ever see it again in our lifetime. <laughs> the, bomb, the bomb disposal unit got the um, got the wire yeah. out there, didn't they? Tyrone Green got bashed about a bit, but he's a hard-nosed South African, isn't he? he? He'll take all the shots, but he, he did get a big whack from, from Ashton, which obviously put Ashton off the pitch for the HIA, and we never saw him return. That was sceptical of whether that tackle was legal or not. There was one... I think either just before or just after as well on the other side of the pitch where he took a double hit and then one of them was with no arms and even that wasn't a penalty. So he did get put about a bit and then we saw that horrible, horrible injury. Well, at least it looked horrible. I really I'm hope not, it isn't. I've not watched Carried it straight yet. down the tunnel. Do you remember his knee injury against Bristol where he twisted it and landed funny on it? And yeah. it was very, very similar to that. So I hope it's not the same knee, but certainly doesn't look good. And you spoke to the injury crisis there earlier. I saw Luke Northmore in a sling at the end of the game. Yeah. So we're not looking good. And we've obviously got Chisholm and Lord Day and Dombrant out. Steph, the captains, I've got no sight of him returning anytime soon. So, I mean, Ted Hill's only got a short-term deal at Bath. I wouldn't mind getting him as injury cover just yeah. to see us through for a little bit. Perhaps probably to the end of the season because <laughs> it's only fair on him as a rugby player as well that you, you, you give him a club. But, I mean, yeah. I mean, Wasps are still technically a rugby club, even though they didn't play this weekend. And we've been heavily linked with Joe Launchbury. I think we were heavily linked with him even before the Wasps news mm. came out. So there was a few whispers and, and murmurs that we might be speaking to him. Obviously, a former Quinns Academy player. Yeah. I tell you what, mate, if 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 that comes off, that's a huge coup. That's, Mega. That changes the state of our team at the moment, I think. And he obviously comes straight in. The line-out was woeful, and it has been woeful for a little while. Yeah. There was one line-out where we went Ooh. up, the ball didn't get thrown in, we come back down, yeah. they go up, and we throw the ball to them. Yeah. What was that L- about? A little that bit. Was, oh, it was abysmal. It was L- abysmal, but Joe Launchbury calls a line-out. He's an international player. He's also a lump. Mm. I just think if we were to reach a Premiership final, he's the kind of player that can win you it. Here's the difference between winning and losing a Premiership final is, is that set piece is crucial and, and he will just take that under his wing and, and sort it out. So I hope that comes off. I really hope that comes off. I know there's lots of talk of salary cap and we're probably too close to the limit to be able to bring him in. 
but because we've got so many injuries, there's a separate salary cap for injury cover, yeah. which goes up to 400k. So maybe he fits into that. He might demand the whole lot. <laughs> it, it might need the whole lot. Might lead the whole lot, but it wouldn't be a full season, so maybe it'll be slightly less. But he would be handy, and yeah, the back row certainly looks very light with the three players mentioned previously all out, and and also three very very good players for us. And Will Evans and Kenners can't keep going because they're going to be burnt out very soon. Yeah, should we talk about the game a little bit. Yeah, let's do it. There was a, f- a few moments in the first half, and um, we'll do a little bit of a sort of whistle stop tour the first half because it was difficult viewing at times. The game didn't really didn't get off to a particularly sort of fast and vibrant start but the uh, the first try that Tommy Rafael scores in the corner there was two or three penalties actually that led to that you know sort of series of of, of big breakdowns and there was a line out then there was a scrum and I think you said yesterday you saw a stat on BT Sport that our penalty count was the lowest in the league or averaging yeah, the lowest in the league exactly so, so it was nine I think it was yeah so of all the teams game. in the league of all the teams in the league, we've got the best discipline. Um, on average, we give away nine penalties a game. I think after 10 minutes, we'd given away six. Yeah. So that just tells you how poor our discipline was this weekend and, and how much it cost us in the end. And almost that that try that Rafael scores might have even avoided the yellow card because there were two or three penalties in a you know pretty quick succession. And then sort of five, 10 minutes after that, Tyrone Green breaks through and absolutely springboards Chris Ashton off him once he just gets his head stuck on the wrong side. He goes off for HIA. Then they bring on, you know, a 200-pound melon in the dolo. He comes on and suddenly you think, oh, I'm not sure where I'd rather be on the other side of the ball. Driving Maul try for Montoya. He was a bit of a pest all day. And obviously, you know, without well, in the absence of Wacker and George Head dropping out of the... Uh, match day 23 early in the, earlier on in the day. Muskie, who did a brilliant job last week, had a big job again against Montoya, but I think it's fair to say that Montoya probably came out better on the day. Um, and then Freddie Burns takes a penalty to take them into the half-time break, 12-0 up, which it's half-time you're looking at and think, do you know what? I'm probably not too disheartened. But the one that did frustrate me and the reason it frustrates me so much because Northmore goes through uh, what looked like a brilliant running line. We all would go up and you know start screaming and shouting. Then the replay comes and you see he knocks the ball on and a couple of minutes later they go down the other end and score which looked like it included a forward pass in the build-up that yeah. wasn't really looked at. Um, and yeah, big seven-point swing, 12-0 down at the break and suddenly... Although you know we're happy to play from behind, that's <laughs> that's uh, that's never been never been questioned, but just didn't quite didn't quite get going in the first half. Yeah, and it is frustrating, and we, we did knock it on. We can't complain about that, but that, it just eats me up a little bit. That seven point swing, we could be going in at halftime seven five up, and having barely had a shot, we're looking really good going into the second half. But unfortunately, they get that try. It was a forward pass. I think the ref had a really poor game. Really, really poor game, actually. So much went wrong. Um, he missed lots of high shots and Ashton on green and then one of the back rows on green and the forward pass for the try and the list goes on. But 12-0 at half time. I'm still thinking, you know what? If we come out of the second half, we're attacking the south stand, which is always good for us. Yeah, Get the first points. It's 12-7 and effectively it's, well, it's a one-try game, isn't it? And Harlequins can come back from a three-try game or a four-try game, let alone a one-try game. So I still felt good. Um, I thought we've had a really bad half where we've not really had the ball. So no possession, no territory. We've managed to ride a few waves from them and they've only scored twice. One of them shouldn't really have counted. 
So I'm thinking, all right, well, we're not out of the game. They're not miles better than us. Second half rolls around and they get an early score and it's 17-0. Yeah. And at that point, I'm thinking, well, it's Leicester. They're hard-nosed. They've got Sinfield as defence coach. They've got Borthwick as their head coach. Do you know There's what? No on Ke- on Kevin gonna... Sinfield, as well, I think I mentioned this to you earlier, I used to hate Kevin Sinfield because growing up, my mum and my mum's side of the family all were from Yorkshire and big Bradford Bulls fans. So we used to go to Bradford Bulls all the time. And Kevin Sinfield was always a Leeds Rhinos, you know, foot halfback legend. I used to hate Kevin Sinfield. Now he's doing it for Leicester as well. I think there's one thing you've got to respect about Leicester and it's just how unbelievably well coached they are. Yeah. And that's not necessarily just a compliment to the coaches, but their team is so cohesive and they really stick to their structure and their ways. And they're so hard to break down and they're so synchronized in attack so well, speaking of breakdown they absolutely when, battered us at the breakdown all day almost every yeah, time Tommy we Raphael, he was he gosh. was i think he was probably probably my man of the match Raphael. oh yeah easy yeah. easy no player on the pitch came close two tries loads of turnovers just an enforcer all day and yeah, yeah he's got a big future hasn't he he's already doing well for wales but I just think at 17-0, a well-coached side like Leicester, who are hard-nosed and tough anyway with lots of meat on the pitch, it's going to take an awful lot for us to do it. We still could. Two tries, we've got a chance. But we just weren't clicking as a side. They were very, very good, but we we were far, far off our best. Nothing was sticking. There were passes going to floor. We didn't get any front-foot ball off Andre. They defended him really well. They They normally doubled up on him. We started going out the back a bit and not really getting over the gain line. I think the main difference was Leicester won all the really small mini battles, mm. like the, the little extra inches here and there and getting half a metre over the gain line. And they kicked slightly better than us to the corners. And it, I know Freddie Burns off the tee wasn't great, but they knocked over three every now and then, which which helped them. I just think they won the little details of the game, which add up to a, a bigger picture. And I think the scoreline flatters us, 27-19. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? The fact that we were that bad and, and they were that good and it was still only an eight-point game, I think is probably a bit of a credit to us and it does flatter us, of course. But imagine if we'd shown up today. that They were there for the taking. I was worried going into it. They've lost two games in a row. When was the last time they lost three in a row? It's just mm. not something less to do. I'm even more worried now because we're going away to sale next and I didn't have that one down as a no. confident win. Um, so I think we needed this one this week and unfortunately we were well short. We were well short. Do you know what was Hopefully frustrating? We get a response, though. Well, it was frustrating because 68 minutes and Wilco Lowe, who's played the loss of rugby for us, is off by that stage. Sam Riley's on, um, Kerrod's on, and Marla's still on. But we had parity at the scrum all day. They neither side seemed to get any real dominance at scrum time. There wasn't yeah. loads of scrums from memory, but the line out just wasn't operating. But we mm-hmm. had, that, had that scrum right in the centre of the pitch, you know, in front of the south stand, 10 yards out, 15 yards out, un- centre of the pitch, in the middle, you know, under the sticks. And we had a, such a, a, a steady bit of front football. And we always walked it in. Caden goes in the corner. You know, Tommy at that stage was on almost as a bit of a second distributor, potentially, although he did, you know, jump jump back to uh, jump back to full full back. But we just walked it in. And it was so frustrating to watch that because it it looks so easy when it happens. But we just didn't get opportunities like that. And I think you're right. We didn't maybe we were maybe expecting too much of Andre, even though he is that good coming back straight away and, and getting us so much game line success and, and carrying and, and all the other stuff that he does, maybe doing that in his first game back against a, a very well, well-drilled lesser side was a little bit ambitious. But yeah, that was, that's why I was frustrated because that one moment that we had where yeah, set piece, the set piece was, was there, one, two passes, 
through a gap. Caden scores another try. Shock. And then we just didn't quite start again from there. Well, I think that's it, isn't it? I think that's it. Once we create a platform and a foundation for ourselves, we know we've got the gun players out wide that are going to go and do a job and we literally just walk that one in. So it just makes me think. And also, by the way, love it when they play the jingle and everybody sings, but they're doing it too much <laughs> and they need to stop doing it whenever there's a line out because we start singing, they throw mm. the line out and then we stop singing halfway through because we've inevitably <laughs> ballsed it up. So it's almost like it's a bad jinx on our hookers and our jumpers in the line out, but we blew plenty of good foundations from the line-out ball. Whenever we got a penalty, we we kicked to the corner. There was probably three or four where we looked like we could go on and score if we had the foundation, and we just didn't have it. So mm. work to be done there. We're obviously missing Jack Walker for a little bit longer with his shoulder injury. Second row, we're, we've got everybody bar Steph, so it, it needs to be worked on, needs to be fixed. It, it, I don't understand how a professional team that trains daily with each other can... A, I can't get that line out of my head where we went up and down and then we threw yeah. it to them. I just can't get that out of my head. If anything, obviously you can't double pump. Just launch it over the top. Let Andre or someone run onto it, but don't give it to them. Um, so, yeah, and I don't want to be negative. So, talking about a couple of positives, Caden Murley scores again. Not only does he score once, he scores twice. And he very, very had a hat-trick if his calves didn't cramp up towards the end of that 80-meter dash that he had. But... If he'd run that in and scored a hat-trick in front of Eddie Jones, the squad for England's autumn series comes out comes out today, today. as we released yeah. the podcast. He could very well be in that. And I feel like if he'd got that over the line, you can't possibly ignore him any longer. So, Well, before we move on to sale then, we'll have a little bit of chat about England and see if we might have any of our boys in there. I'm just going to very quickly, I've got the BBC News article from today's game in front of me because obviously you mentioned Caden there. A couple of comments from Tabai. It was very disappointing when they were the best in every area and it's the worst I've felt since being here. So that's a pretty wow. scathing indictment of what he said. But then he does say at the end, Caden is the best left wing in the league and he looked dangerous all the time, but we must work out ways of getting him more possession as we didn't do that. So you can see that, you know, he's getting close, Caden, and yeah, didn't quite finish off his hat-trick, but managed to still still uh, recycle the ball and Danny goes in under the post to get a little bit of pride back in the result. However, England selection out, well, in the morning, but it will be coming out as as we release this. Expecting any of our boys march and should be in there for me. Obviously, yeah. I love Caden to be in there, but I'd be devastated if we lose him. But you want to go and see our boys play for England, you do. I don't yeah. know what the Marley situation is. Is he available for England selection? Is he not? Don Brandt won't be in there. Walker won't be in there. Marcus obviously will be. Northmore must have been close, but now he looks I like know. he's going to You know what? I, I think Northmore would have been picked. Maybe. It's been so good for us playing 13 every week. And I don't think Slade's been on the money. Everyone's talking about Ollie Lawrence, but I don't think he's been that great, has he? He's been well, playing in a losing side every week. Well, he only won one game, and that was against Newcastle. So I know it's a 15-player game, but and he is a very good player. But I would have had Luke Northmore in there, I think. So to see him in a sling at the end of the game, I think it's so cruel on him, given he's been in this, the mix before in the training squad. Kenners and Webb. I was about to say Kenners and Webb. They're either borderline, them aren't they? They're yeah. borderline, but Eddie's got his tried and tested sort of Underhill and Curry and Ben Earl, and I can't see those two getting selected, which is no bad thing for us as a club, but they can't be far off, can they? Maybe not. And I know, Bo, I know that Eddie does like a lineup option at six, and obviously Kenners, that is his. Yeah, is one of the strong, yeah, strong, strong points of his game, but maybe not. Yeah, but yeah, obviously Mar- Marcus is is obviously a lock. Um. And then Marchant, I I would 
I'd go out on a limb to say that Marchant will be in the squads regardless of what position he might end up playing. Yeah, I agree. Um, he'll be a lot. He's the ultimate 23, really, isn't he, for yeah. Freddie? But then... I do think as well, if there was ever a squad to see a few wild cards, it's your last autumn series squad before a World Cup. Yeah. Six Nations, he'll probably go a little bit more, right, well, these are the lads I'm going to take no, to a World right. Cup. So let's go get them some competitive rugby together. This is his last throw of the dice to try a few new faces. So I think there's a good chance of Caden. Yeah. If we don't see Caden, then I don't think he's going to a World Cup. No. I'd and love I to wake up. I would love be the to wake case up for a lot morning. of players from other clubs. I'd love to wake up in the morning and see Caden's name on there. I'd be absolutely over the moon for the boy. I'd be getting I'll be it. mortified if he's not. I'll be yeah. mortified. He's the best left winger in the league, bar none. Yeah. He scores every week. I remember actually we tweeted the other day, Guinness Six Nations tweeted saying who is the the Erlen Haaland of rugby. <laughs> and it's Caden Murley. He's inevitable. He scores every week. Yeah. Literally scores every week. So Should we have a quick look yeah. to sale then? We can, yeah. I'm not I'm not massively excited about Sale because A, I'm not going. And actually, I don't even know if I'm going to be watching because I don't know if I've told you, Harry, my younger brother, is going to Australia. He's moving to Australia. Uh-huh. So Sunday is his last day. We're going to do a fake family Christmas. Nice. So I've got Christmas on Sunday, so I don't know if I'll be able to watch. <laughs> That's quite cool, actually. Yeah, yeah. I'd quite like to be able to watch, but I don't really know what timings are and what's going on with it. But is it an evening kickoff? No, it's a three o'clock on Sunday. Ah, okay. So I'm actually, um, um, I'm actually trying to put a bit of planning in at the minute. I'm trying to work on my old man. Yeah, I think he'll be a good one to go to. You know, I know it's a shit stadium and they're not a very pleasant team, but I'd quite like to go up, do a night out in Manchester on the Saturday night, and then go watch the boys. But well, I'm not, not, not going to sure work the... out for me this season. Um, <laughs> I actually have looked at a few domestic away days. I'm really keen to do one, but all the best ones are at the end of the season. Mm. So I mean, London Irish away's towards the end of the season, Bristol's towards the end of the season. Bath at um, Christmas though the first week yeah. of first week of December yeah I I do like Bath I quite like to do a new one like Bristol and Sale would have been a nice one Newcastle would have liked to have done for a night out as well but yeah. it was the first game of the season so I'm not sure that me and Dad are going to be doing too many beers on the Saturday night not not a massive drinker my old man but Brighton are playing City away on the Saturday and then Harlequins are playing Sale away on the Sunday so both in Manchester yeah. and I think if you know both... you should go to Albert Schloss. Albert Schloss is a great little German bar in Manchester. Yeah, bit, a bit have, of a beer keller feeling to it. Might have to go somewhere and drown our sorrows after Haaland scores six. They did lose one nil tonight at City against Liverpool. But yeah, if uh, if Haaland scores, I mean, have have many fancies, and then we get beaten up by the by the Sale boys on Sunday. We'll see how we go on. So for for Sale, we've obviously not got many to choose from. What changes? Let's say Northmore's out, and let's say well, Tyrone Green is Northmore's out. Northmore's out, and Tyrone Green are out. Then it will be. Um, Wow, great question. If Northmore's out, I'd imagine that Marchant will shift back into 13 with Andre in the, in the centres. Yeah. Um, and I think David might get a start on the wing. We might even get to see someone like... Well, David might be at fullback, mate. Oh, good point. David will be at fullback. That's a great point. Well, maybe, maybe, will they start Tommy at fullback maybe as a, as a bit of a second option, yeah. potentially? Oh, maybe, yeah. He's a good um, kicker, isn't he? And Sale's the kind of game where he might need some some good territory. And... A bit more second distributor sort of vibes rather yeah, than... Yeah, that, that wouldn't that. be a bad shout. I'd be open to that. The only yeah. other option would be David at fullback and maybe give Young Cassius Cleaves could go on the wing. Cass Cleaves, something like that. They might get a sniff. Yeah. No, it'd be nice to see Cass play at some point this year. Yeah, it would be nice. When the chip when the nice. when the chips are down with a little bit of you know young, fresh, rapid talent on the yeah. wing, that might be quite fun. Don't know if sail away on a sort of <laughs> Sunday night. <laughs> no, maybe not. The grey and cold and yeah. miserable Manchester weather is probably the place he wants to make a full debut, but in the uh, in the front row, I think well, Marler and Marler and Lowe obviously might be a change at hooker, but obviously Wacker won't be fit. 
Heady dropped out of the squad today, so he's probably a little bit of an injury concern. Maybe Riley will get a start, must back to the bench potentially. Um, we'll have to see how that pans out. And I think, although we weren't at our best, I don't think loads will change. Um, it'll no, just I think it's as we were, isn't it? North, the Northmore and hopefully, you know, fingers crossed for for some good news on, on Northmore and Tyrone. But yeah, I won't be wholesale changes because, we're, like I said, we're not too far away. Just need a bit of click. And Cell is not a great place to click because they're a big, snarly pack of, well, I won't say the I won't say the world's going to use there because a little bit not quite as polite as I would have been. Anyway, that's what we'll leave it. A bit of a short one for us today, but the Sunday night's got to us. Big week ahead. Hopefully, some good news from uh, from the boys during the week. Hopefully, some good news on injuries. And if anyone is going to sail, drop us a tweet. Let us know how you're getting there. Let us know where you're boozing, all that sort of stuff. And I'm going to see if I can make the trip. Get in get touch. up there, mate. Yeah, get I'm going to try. I'd like to do it. Probably the sort of place you go once and then never, never go back. But we'll see how we get on. But yeah, tweeters, drop us a message on Instagram, email us, get involved with some chat. Let us know if you're going. And if I do get there, hopefully I'll see you on the Sunday. Well done, mate. Come on, the quiz. Cheers, everyone.